and welcome back to Pod Save My 20s, the podcast where we talk about all the things we weren't prepared for in the real world. Today, it's just me, Gabrielle, here with my friend Brooks. Hello. Yeah. Joining us, they're an artist, a young 20-something artist. I actually don't know how old you are, Brooks. Oh, (laughs) I turned 23 in June. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, we're here to talk about being an artist today and like an emerging artist and also having a job that maybe doesn't align with your passions necessarily, but yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that is, that is how it goes. So Mm -hmm. actually something I forgot to tell you too, and because I forget every time is how we start the podcast Mm -hmm. is we start with something called moment of truth. Okay. Which uh, is just a moment that happened, we say in the last week, but really like the last however you can remember that was Mm -hmm. a moment of like oh yeah i i'm a 20 something i'm an adult and like you know i'm trying life right now (laughs) oh yeah so we can take our time to think about it because i obviously did not prepare one either but you know i don't know this was something that happened the other day that uh frustrated me was uh my building doesn't recycle, and so I have been collecting all of these cans and bottles and things since I moved in last September, and I was really looking forward to taking it to bottle return. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna get some, I'm gonna get some sweet uh, Michigan bottle return money from all of these bottles and cans, and uh, I went to one place that didn't take glass at all, and only took like three of my plastic bottles and mm-hmm. like that paid for like, I don't know, a little uh, wrap that I got, like a $3 wrap at the grocery store. And I was like, wow, I really broke even there. <laughs> and uh, by the time I got to the other place, I was so sick of it. Mm-hmm. And they still weren't taking any of my glass bottles that I was just like, I, I gave both bags of... Um, bottles to someone who was like in line for the machines Mm because there were like 10 people in line for the machines and I was like you can have these and it felt like I was giving away free money Mm -hmm. um and there was like this childlike glee that I had when I would put a bottle in and they would give me 10 cents like Mm -hmm. it was I was just like wow I really worked hard for this 10 cents by keeping all of these cans in my apartment for a year but uh that is just one thing where I just had to like chalk it up to uh, nothing works right in America, and uh, I I'm just gonna be disappointed for the rest of my life. You know, like oh, no. like like, oh, no. like there are things that you expect to work, like bottle return, yeah. and they never work out like you think they're going to. Bottle return and taxes. Bottle return and taxes. Two things that you never get enough money from. Just letdowns. The end. Once a year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. It's, it's so... I remember going to, like, the bottle return as a kid with my mom, and that would be so exciting. Like, whatever we put in, my mom would let us keep for the grocery store. You know? Right. Like, like, a dollar and get a piece of candy or something. But nowadays, it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Ah, it made a big difference. I'm sorry, my foot just cramped up for a second. <laughs> <laughs> That's my little ah. Um, oh, my God. I still don't have a moment of truth. What have I been doing? I've just... I've been busy... Uh, you know, I think maybe my moment of truth was something that was said. I was like having dinner with some friends the other night. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, for those who don't know on the podcast, like I'm in a relationship now, which is great. It's been great. Um, 
but so we, one of our friends was like, I feel like I've just been like taking my boyfriend everywhere on the plus ones this whole summer and making him come everywhere. And uh, my boyfriend was like, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. That's what a relationship is. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> we've just kind of been, you know, <laughs> you end up taking each other around everywhere and mm-hmm. it's, it's great, but it's, it definitely gets busy. Um, and it's just kind of a funny thing. Like, oh, I haven't been this busy in a while. Well, one, cause you know and COVID for so long and then two you know it's been just me and I'm not good at making plans but my boyfriend is so (laughs) which is great um yeah so that's kind of my moment of truth thanks for sharing your moment of truth as well yes and now that you know we've really shared something very vulnerable Mm yeah like bottle (laughs) return yeah very intimate uh we can now dive into our conversation about being artists yeah (laughs) Big uh, quotation marks around artists. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Same. It's such a weird thing to call yourself an artist sometimes. I don't know if you feel that way, but... Yeah, I've never felt comfortable calling myself an artist. I actually had a little bit of a crisis uh, earlier this year Mm. where I realized that um, sort of like my artistic practice is much closer to what a writer does than what an artist does. I do a lot more like internalizing and researching and thinking things through than I ever do like experimenting Mm. and uh like creating things and I was like I shouldn't even be calling myself an artist I never even liked it when people called me an artist like Mm. this feels you know this feels weird um (laughs) like the things that uh other people are excited about in the art world are things that really scare me and I don't know if that's because you know I I'm a little baby artist I'm so new or because um I wasn't like adequately prepared Mm -hmm. in my education or because that's just me you know and that's just how I'm always gonna feel but yeah I think that for me there is a lot of like baggage with the word artist what about you yeah I mean there's a lot to what you just said there that I want to touch on yeah yeah. (laughs) I feel like sometimes there's kind of this well, sometimes there's always this, like, kind of pretentious, I like, air aura around saying, like, oh, I'm an artist. But there's also kind of then this expectation when you call yourself an artist mm-hmm. that I feel like, like you were saying about how you think about things a lot more rather than making. And I feel like I do that, too, mm-hmm. a lot. I'm always in my head about it. I have so many ideas, but I'm never, like, sitting down and doing them. It, it yeah. takes a lot to get there. Or, like, I'm not constantly painting or constantly making something. Um, and so I, I felt weird calling myself an artist. I also felt like an imposter syndrome for a long time. I mean, I still do sometimes. I'm trying to get better at yeah, it yeah. and just identifying that way. Um, yeah, but I think that there's something, there's something to be said about how there are different kinds of artists and there's mm-hmm. different ways to make. And there are some people who are really prolific and they make a lot, you know, and that's how they work. And then there are other people who are very contemplative and like, you know... And sometimes I'm trying to get over it. I'm like, I'm overthinking too much. I need to just start making. But I think there's also some, va- like, there's value to the way that you make in your process, mm-hmm. right? They always ask you what your process is. And it's it's different. It varies from artist to artist. And it also yeah. comes and goes in waves. Like Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, seasons of making a lot and seasons of I can't even touch <laughs> my sketchbook. I'm, I feel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Like, I feel like there is... A lot of pressure, not just to create, like, good work, but mm-hmm. just to be creating all of the time. Whether it's, like, because social media is like, yeah. oh, to stay in the algorithm, you have to, like, be posting constantly. Mm-hmm. Or um, there is this, I read this book 
uh, from the recommendation of an artist that I really admire. I read this book called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Okay. And um, it was interesting. It was, for me, at least very, like, sort of hippy-dippy metaphors to live by kind of thing, which is not my usual speed. But one of the, like, big um, ideas that uh, Gilbert touched on was the idea that when inspiration comes, it needs to find you working. So, like, you need to be honing your craft constantly, even if you don't really know what you're making or why, Mm -hmm. because the why will come and you'll be good enough that you can do what you want to in that moment. And I think that that's, I mean, that's inspirational and it's really, like, something I want to be about, but I, it is, you know, it's about, like, having to make money in a non-creative field and it's about, like, uh you know, you're so burnt out because of different things that you can't just constantly be making like that. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, it's, and, and I'm also a chronic overthinker. So it's like when I sit down, uh, to make, I always have to be thinking why, even though that's not the question I should be asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I feel it. I so get caught up in the why all mm-hmm. the time. Like, yeah. Why am I making this? But also, like you were saying, feeling burnt out and we're, we both have, like, ba- nearly full-time jobs, mm-hmm. you know, in corporate world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I feel like I don't have enough time to make that time that I do have is so precious. I want to make it worthwhile. And right. then I put so much pressure mm-hmm. on that time and on that thing that I'm making that I just get stuck. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and I think that's something I've been struggling with, too, but the... And, it's it's telling myself trying to tell myself at least like it does this doesn't have to be it like not everything you make is going to be good or right. great and that's okay and that's part of it but it's so hard to listen to that it is hard because it it feels like you know if you're only picking up your pencil or a camera or whatever once a week like you don't see the you know the process or the the progress is what i mean mm-hmm. like you don't you don't see, oh, from here to here I got better. It yeah. just looks like a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, why am I making this stuff? And if you don't have an answer to that question, you're just sort of sitting there. Yeah. I think that was also scary, like, coming out of college. And, like, I don't I don't have a BFA. I have a, a BA in psych and then a, a minor in art and design. And mm-hmm. I think I got so scared of people asking me why mm-hmm. that I just, I, I got so caught up in it. I was like, I have to know why. Mm-hmm. I have to know why I'm doing this. And so I got stuck in that, in that reverberation of what am I doing and why does it matter? And what am I going to tell the critic coming into my studio next week? What is happening here? Yeah. It's, it's a lot about like not even knowing why necessarily, but just like being well-spoken about it or Mm -hmm. being able to bullshit. Yeah. And uh, like, it's not like that's something we learned in art school, but the people who knew how to do it, did succeed more or like I think that I had sort of a superiority complex where because I overthought all the time and I always had the answer to that question when I made stuff and put it up for critique Mm -hmm. um that when uh like someone else would be asked you know like why did you do this why'd you pick this color why'd you do this or that and they didn't have like a good answer you know beyond like I liked it etc I would feel, you know, holier than thou. I would feel like, well, you know, uh, (laughs) you need to figure that out. You have some things to figure out. But, you know, those are the people who, you know, I go on my social media feeds now. Those are the people who are still creating artwork and are still, you know, making. And obviously, you know, social media isn't a... uh, 
it's not an accurate representation of people's lives, but Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the people who I think take a lot of joy in the making because they're not constantly having to, you know, battle with themselves about that. Yeah, no, exactly. I feel like I have so much, uh, Jealousy is the word, but there was another word that I wanted. Envy, maybe? Mm. is the. They're both the same, but envy just sounded like a little bit more true to what I'm feeling Mm -hmm. when I see people who are just able to, like, continue making and constantly, like, be putting that out there. And, like, you can see themselves in their work, too, which is something... It's just a beautiful thing when you can be like, yeah, that's that that person's art. Like, you can tell, and that's them, and that's... They're staying true to themselves, and they keep making. Mm -hmm. I'm like... And sometimes I look at my stuff, and I'm like... I don't even know if it's coherent, <laughs> if it's all together. It doesn't even look like something I made. Does it, is it me? What am I doing? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's also something that just, like, other people see that you can't see yourself, mm-hmm. too. Like, I mean, I've been told that I have a style, but I use so many different media and Same. do so many different things that it's just like, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Stop lying to me. But, <laughs> I mean, I think that there, I think that people, you know, can see you through your work. Like, I certainly do, even well, though you've you. done a lot of different things. And it's just... It's just that uh, the blinders come on. <laughs> it's so true. It's so, and it, I mean, that goes back even just to like our self-talk and our like psyches. Of, yeah. <laughs> it's so much easier to see the good in everyone else mm-hmm. than yourself and to be your own worst critic is the easiest thing in the world. Know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> breaking out of that is the harder, <laughs> harder of it. Um, yeah. So being an artist is hard. That's what we established here. Artist, more like. Hardest. <laughs> but I think it's also, like, there's just not a clear path, I think, is part of it, too. And, like, we talked a little bit about how we have jobs outside of our art and how that sometimes can make things... I mean, it makes things harder. We touched on that a little bit. But how does it... Do you feel sometimes that having a non-creative job makes having an artistic practice easier in some ways or what's the pros and cons to it how do you feel about it especially like you're young and just you know I mean we're both young but like you're a little bit younger than me. you just graduated about two years ago yeah Yeah. 2020 Mm -hmm. 2020 (laughs) the year that shall not be named yeah Uh, anyway yeah whatever what how do you feel about it what are you kind of experiencing so far um, I think that there was definitely a time, like, right after uh, the residency we were both in, mm-hmm. uh, where I was like, oh, thank God I don't have to do this for money. Because I was just so burnt out. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't, like, super happy with the work that I had created at the residency, and I, like, felt kind of lost and like I was a fraud you know all of the great things that you feel and um I was just like I can go to work on Monday and I can do my like silly little asana tasks and I don't have to think about you know it defining who I am at all yeah um there was something uh that I saw someone say that I feel like if I, I don't know, I'm like, oh, I should have heard that earlier. But if I had heard it earlier, I probably wouldn't have listened, which was, you know, this guy, he's like, I work at a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like in my 20s, I work at a movie theater um, and I'm fine with that. And work is the thing that I do so that I can pay for the things for, for the rest of my life so yeah. that I can, you know, hang out with the people I want to hang out with so that I can bike so that I can write so that I can have time for myself. That's what work is. It's not, it doesn't define me. It's just the thing that I do so that I can pay for the other things that I do. Mm -hmm. And especially being in a creative field, it's so much about your, uh, career having to be an extension of like your soul that 
you know, if you're not doing well in your career, are you even really a person? You know, like it's just, it's, it's so much pressure and you want to have a career that's, you know, like creatively, emotionally, mentally fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, but that might look different from what you think it did. I know that like my job right now isn't like creatively, mentally fulfilling, mm-hmm. um, like completely it's more a thing that pays the bills yeah but um it's it it feels good to not have to put so much pressure on it for sure what about you yeah um I mean that's I think that's a beautiful thing you said about how looking at work differently because I think we're brought up in a society that's like what do you want to be when you grow up what do you want to do for a career like Mm -hmm. that is you and that's the defining thing and we always ask people what do you do for a living and that's like how we get to know them but it's so I felt, like, so disconnected from who I am and, like, what my job is for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had many different jobs, and sometimes they kind of, like, feel more akin to what I enjoy and and not... And, like, there are definitely aspects... And I'm not saying that I hate my job right now or right. anything, but I, like... There are aspects of it that I enjoy, but it's definitely not, like, what I saw myself doing or what I feel fulfilled in. And I do feel... But I think I still feel that pressure that you were talking about to perform at my job. Yeah. Like, I feel pressure to not just succeed, but excel, mm-hmm. you know? And then by the end of the day, I don't have anything left. Right. <laughs> and I feel I feel the same way, kind of. Mm-hmm. I, I felt for a little while that my job is, like, um, part of it, a large part of it is social media, mm-hmm. which is something that I... And social media is, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into that and it's not something that I like studied and it's not something that I have sort of a natural, uh, gift for. There are some, there are influencers out there who just know how to do it and I Mm -hmm. don't. And so I, I feel a similar pressure. I feel like it's not really possible for me to sort of like excel, (laughs) you know, at social media. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have the, the, uh the gift or whatever, but I do feel pressured to like prove that I can do it because deep down I feel like I can't, I feel like, you know, this is not the person I am. I'm not the person who's always on Instagram, who's always on Twitter, who's always like checking up on, on the current trends and things. And so, you know, for this set amount of the day, I need to be that person, Mm -hmm. even though I'm not that person. So it, it's, you know, no matter what you're doing, even if it's not a creative career, I think there is a certain, like, mushing yourself into boxes. Yeah. 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 I, and it's, and that's going to a whole other thing where I just, I want to feel comfortable. I'm still figuring out who I am. Right, you know? of course. I want to feel comfortable bringing that person to work. And yeah. I don't feel that way. Right. And I don't know where or when I'll feel that way, right. you know? And I think that's something I struggle with, too. And it's like, but when I'm an artist, like, quote unquote an artist I'm me you know it's like all of everything that I am at that moment yeah (laughs) and I don't have to worry about it Mm -hmm. but it's also then a very vulnerable space right absolutely I feel like we both make uh work about like ourselves or our experiences Mm -hmm. a little bit and so it is it is both freeing in that like I'm showing myself to people and you know they're letting me yeah and also it is, it is very, like, vulnerable, because I'm like, I'm showing myself to people, and are they even gonna care? Like, this is, yeah, this is me right now, <laughs> or, like, and if they have, like, critiques about 
my art, it's not like they're having critiques of me, the person, but mm-hmm. it's like they're having critiques of me, the concept, and that's pretty <laughs> I mean, close. Yeah, it's all tied together. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how, where do you, how do you separate that line? Like, you're showing this. I'm so bad at giving people, like, showing people my work, mm-hmm. like, what I've made. I'm like, I've made this thing, but now I'm just going to hold it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> this is mine. Okay, <laughs> we're moving on now. Um, but yeah, it's it's a vulnerable practice. And I know we, so we've kind of, like, talked a little bit about it but I want to maybe hear a little bit more about if you want to tell everyone what your work is and about and like what kind of stuff you make and everything and what your process is yeah sure oh man um (laughs) loaded question (laughs) yeah I know because it's it's like the the person I am as an artist it still feels like I'm stuck back in college just Mm -hmm. because I think I just you know I didn't really get closure having to like leave college in March of 2020 in my senior year. Yeah. Um, and so I put out my senior thesis, which was this like, uh, sort of autobiographical graphic novel. And it was like, yeah, the most vulnerable I think I've ever been. Mm -hmm. And it's just online. I don't know if anybody's ever read it, you know, like it's, it's one of those, uh, things, but it, it just feel like a part of like, like my artist identity is like tied back in with that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm not a graphic novel person, really. That was kind of an interesting thing that I did. <laughs> um, most of the stuff that I do is like, uh, fiber arts and, um, printmaking. Um, I've done a spot of photography. I've done, you know, a little bit of drawing. I like to write as like sort of part of my artistic practice, but, uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of like all caught up in there, all, all smushed together. Um, my most recent work is that I've just like been working on a bunch of cross stitch. Like I, uh, rekindled my love of, of cross stitch, um, Mm -hmm. earlier this year. And I really do love things like that, like that and like weaving and like sort of like this tedious, uh, sort of tactile work. Yeah. The problem with that stuff is that, you know, in college you can't really do it because there's, like, such a quick turnaround rate. Yeah. And uh, for residencies, you can do it, but it's so stressful. Like, the the one piece that I got done <laughs> was it... I was up. I was just up. I was just up and making for, like, days, and oh, that's gosh. not where you want to be. Um, so I've, you know, the art part of my life has taken a backseat to the other stuff, but it has given me the opportunity to really like just do cross stitch and have fun with it and pick it up when I want to, mm-hmm. which is like the beauty of it. And it was kind of a nice and like sort of eye opening moment. I was visiting my, uh, my dad's side of the family this summer and my stepmom has been working on these, uh, Shits Creek samplers. She, oh. Yeah, she bought this this Etsy pattern online, and she's been making these little samplers that are Shits Creek themed for a lot of her friends because they all like Shits Creek. It's fantastic. And so I was like sitting right beside her, mm-hmm. working on my like very high art cross stitch that I designed myself and has like a million different colors, and her over there with her like fifth Shits Creek uh, sampler that she's finished, and I was like. Is that really different? Like, you know, what, (laughs) why are we making such a big deal out of art versus craft and like originality versus, you know, duplicates and, and, uh, 
these big metaphorical ideas versus, you know, pop culture references. Like, we're at the end of the day, we're both just sitting here putting some thread through some fabric. It's yeah, it's just about the experience of making. And so mm. that was just a nice moment. I know that, like, out in the real art world, there's, like, discourse and things you have to think about. But, like, when you're in your, your little studio hole or whatever... It's nice to not have to think about that stuff. Yeah, it is. And I I hear you about, especially I feel like in textiles and fabrics, it's 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 hard to find that line of like craft versus art mm-hmm. or like that's something that at least I've heard from other textile artists as well, like struggling yeah. with that line. And it's like, why, I don't know, why can't it be both and who's to say one's better than the other? And it's all right. just tying back to like where society ties value right but at the end of the day you said that beautiful you know i don't remember exactly how you said it but like art is about making yeah right art is about making and it's for me i always love it's so cheesy but it for me making art when i'm in the zone it just feels Mm -hmm. like that connection of like mind body and soul is all coming together and coming out and it doesn't feel like sometimes when i'm talking like i say my translator is broken like Mm -hmm. i can't get what's in my head out into the open but like when i'm making that's how it feels Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day too it's just about if somebody looks at your work be it a craft or like you know piece of fine art Mm -hmm. what quote unquote whatever Mm -hmm. and they resonate with it and they like it that's that's what it is you know they like it and that's that's what matters (laughs) like somebody's gonna like it (laughs) yeah yeah i think that that is the most important part like no matter how, you know, much I maybe thought that my residency work was subpar or Mm -hmm. whatever, or, like, not what I had in my head. Like, there were people who saw it in the gallery, and they might have liked it. And that's nice (laughs) to think about. I know for a fact people liked your work. I (laughs) loved your work. I really, I mean... I don't know how you did it. It took so... It had to take so much time. I mean, I'm not a textile artist, so... (laughs) I look at that, and I'm like, whoa. (laughs) But I also loved your concept of just, like, going for walks and really listening I mean listening to music and like mm-hmm. using those lyrics and feeling through those moments and like kind of a solitude but also like connectedness at the same time right yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I'm like putting words in your yeah for yeah that, but. it's just like how those things mush together you mm-hmm. know in I, I, the brain in my brain um I'm actually like I've so my uh my residency work was about um at the beginning of the pandemic when I had to move back to Kalamazoo I started taking a lot of walks because it was like I don't know it was like the only way to get out of the house <laughs> and I started exploring more of Kalamazoo and I was listening to music and it was just a very sort of like I don't know transformative experience in a weird way and uh Lately, I've been, like, really nostalgic for that time. Like, I remember how it smelled, and I remember how it felt, and and the places I would go, and I would, you know, walk someplace that now, like, I can, you know, remember, like, the back of my hand, but at the time, I was like, oh, what's around this corner, you know? Like, (laughs) oh, this neighborhood I've lived in my entire life. I didn't know that there was that little alleyway down there. Like, that's... it. I miss that. And um, I'm like moving to a new city soon and I'm really looking forward to having those new experiences, you know, like new relationships with the place. Um, but I, yeah, I think that I, I, I wish there were a way for my work, the work that I had made in the residency to like, I don't know, better encapsulate that wonder, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, you know, you always have the memories. So <laughs> yeah, it just like nothing... 
I don't I don't know if this is universal for every artist, but you know, nothing that I can think and feel within myself ever really comes out exactly the way that I wanted it to, you yeah. know? No, I've had so many ideas and they just never, I'm never like upset necessarily with how it comes out. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I am, but it's, it's always finding a way and it's like the start yeah. of something. Yeah. Like maybe you're onto something. Yeah. Maybe... I feel like I am. I think it was mm-hmm. mostly just, I was, I had probably slept like six hours within three days and I was just. Oh yeah. That lack of mad. You said, and actually, okay. Um, before we get too far away from what reminded me of it, you actually yes. said something really beautiful one time when we were having a conversation at a coffee shop, a really like one of our three hour conversations. Oh, yeah. of a um, you said something really cool and I actually wrote it down on a sticky note and I have it in my room. So I'm going to go grab it real quick oh so God. that I can <laughs> share it because I really, it was really nice. I'll be right back. Okay. I didn't even have time. I was trying to think of a fun Easter egg to, to put in the recording for you. <laughs> no worries. I'll run away again. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and I don't know if I wrote it down correctly as you said it. But... I don't know. I don't remember anything I say. But also, uh, this, anyway, I'll get into that in a second, but um, you said something about wanting to cut something out of you and give it away in the creative process. Mm-hmm. And I really, I don't know if you want to, do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that I, I have a lot of feelings and um, I can only ever really process them through like visual or even like writing means when they've been felt already you Mm -hmm. know so they're just sort of I felt them and it hurt or whatever and now they're just sort of like lying dormant as memories in my body and at that point you know they're just in here and I feel like that is sort of the function of of the work that I've done for a really long time is that it's the removing of those sort of uh, feelings that have come to fruition and putting them out there and being like, has anybody else felt this? You know, you, you, you get it. It's, this was a feeling. It was a crazy one, right? Let's talk about it, you know? Um, so I think that, yeah, I, I think that when I'm feeling feelings, it Mm -hmm. is very much like, oh, I wish I could cut this out of me. It just burns, you know? Yeah. But I can't do that until it's done, mm-hmm. you know? Until, like, it's burned and the wick is all black and it's just smoke. It's and cooled off and you can scoop it out. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, I think that, that it's the the cutting away of the, yeah, the, the thing once it's done is... Uh, I'm trailing off. But yeah, does that make sense? No, that totally makes sense. And yeah, you're totally fine to trail off. I was just letting you, you know, I think think it's nice when people can hear the the thought process because that's part of it. Yeah. (laughs) Part of it for us, at least. (laughs) Because, yeah, and I, that related to like, I do a lot of writing too. I don't necessarily put it into my work, but it's part of my studio practice, I think, to write and like write things down. I used to have just sticky notes or like writings all over the wall. I think that's awesome. The, the (laughs) sticky note thing that you do. Like I tried to do that in my studio and it just became like a blur for me. Like I wasn't reading the words anymore. (laughs) I I think that honestly happens to to me too, but Mm -hmm. I think that's part of it. It's like kind of like you were saying, like I'm cutting that out of me and Mm -hmm. I'm putting it up here and it's no longer inside me. It's over there. Yeah. And 
and then it becomes an object and something else right. entirely. Um, it's all around. Yeah. But one of the writings and something, when you had said that, I think mm-hmm. it reminded me, I had written this whole like short story about how mm-hmm. it's really morbid sounding now out loud, mm-hmm. but how I was in so much pain. I just wanted to like rip my heart out of my chest mm-hmm. and like paint with it on the wall yeah. and be done with it. Yeah. And, like, yeah. and that just resonated with me, but I feel that that mm-hmm. is kind of part of, and I think that's where we kind of have a connectedness in our work is mm-hmm. it's a part of us and a part of our feelings. And we yeah. really like putting that out there. <laughs> yeah. It's like such a relief. It's like, yeah, when you're feeling something that's really hard to feel, at least for me, it feels like I'm clawing at it, mm-hmm. but it I just can't get it out, yeah. you know? And then once it's cooled down and I can get it out, that is that is such a relief, you know? You just mm-hmm. feel lighter, Yeah, you know? I mean, it'll go away eventually, and then I guess you'll feel lighter, but <laughs> then it won't be outside of you, and it won't be pretty, and you won't be able to talk about it with other people. I think that's part of it, too, and that's what I... A lot of my work is about mental health and, like, wanting to start these hard conversations, yeah. like... And then making other people feel, oh, yeah, somebody else feels that, too. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not so alone. Like, yeah. That's that's a thing. Like, mm-hmm. I thought only I felt that thing, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> and, yeah. And so that's part of it. And I think that's great is starting that discourse and that, that dialogue mm-hmm. from that work. Or, like, just sparking a feeling in someone and, like, hope maybe they'll take that work home and look at it all the time and be like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I think mm-hmm. that that is one thing that... You know, I don't know everything about the art world. I don't know everything about, like, gallery showings, artist talks, etc. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's something that was lacking, for me at least, in the, the shows that I've been in so far. Was just that, you know, you put your feelings up on the wall, and then you walk away. <laughs> and, like, you can't just be standing by them waiting to talk to people mm-hmm. about the feelings. You just have to sort of walk away and have people you know, take whatever they can from the work. Like, I get so excited when I get to talk to people about, like, ideas and feelings Mm -hmm. and different things. And, like, starting a dialogue with art is awesome. Um, I got really excited this summer about, like, writing. And that's a way that I've been able to start a dialogue, too, is because, you know, people will comment or something and I'll be like, oh, I can actually write back. It's great. Yeah. So (laughs) I think that that is just something in, like, the 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 gallery sphere of art that that sort of lacks for me where something like like a a magazine or a book or um something that like where pieces are either in conversation or with writing that uh there's just more talking about it you know? yeah yeah and i there's a lot of what you said there um i think one is just like Galleries aren't entirely accessible places sometimes. Exactly, yeah. For sure. And then also, like, in the last year, I don't know, I've had a few shows within the last year, mm-hmm. and gallery openings was a place, like, a time and a place, the show openings, that you would interact with people, they would come in, they would see your work, and you'd mm-hmm. talk to them, you'd actually get to see people interacting with your work, but yeah, like, mm-hmm. nowadays, you just, like, hang up your work and you leave, and you're like, well, I hope I hope someone looks at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so it's just a different kind of world we've been navigating. Yeah. Um, but the last thing that I want to touch on, too, is mm-hmm. you had talked about you were doing a writing project this oh, summer. Yeah. Your writing project mm-hmm. I really loved. It was the yearbook series. Yeah, uh, I took a, I would say, brief hiatus, but it's been like... Yeah, that's okay. You um, know? Yeah, <laughs> so I, I started a, a newsletter. I actually... Uh, I was learning about uh, like email newsletters for my job, 
And I was like, oh my god, people still use email newsletters? That's, that's like, old. But, like, it's kind of exploding right now, which blows my mind, you know? It's like, I don't know, like, independent journalists just have email newsletters. <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to see what this is all about. And uh, it it feels like, it, it felt more, like, interesting to me than just having a blog. Because I was thinking about having a blog for a while just to write about stuff. But then I was like, nobody's going to see that. What if I can just shove it down people's throats with an with with a, an email newsletter? You get it right to your email and you can't look away. Ah, ha, ha. Um, but uh, yeah, so I started this email newsletter about uh, yearbooks. I started collecting yearbooks uh, a few years ago, and I they were like a big part of my senior uh, art thesis, and um, I'm just like. Every time anybody wants to engage about your books or about like teen culture or whatever uh, about the youths, I I like to jump on it and I have all this stuff to say and people are just like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, you can write down things. So I started like sort of dissecting the yearbooks that I've collected uh, with words, not with like a, a knife, and um, uh, just like sort of thinking about what the yearbook signatures like tell you about the owner of the yearbook and like uh what the time and place says about the yearbook i think the uh i've been taking a break um but the most recent uh article i did was there was this piece in the uh university of michigan museum of art that was like it featured these yearbook pages of people who died during the Vietnam War. Mm. And uh, I juxtaposed that with this yearbook that I have um, from Western Michigan University of 1970 that was like, it was very hippy-dippy and it was like, we opposed the war and there were all these like photos and things about how the school administration and the president like, you know, didn't like them protesting and all this stuff. And so you just see that like sort of cultural dichotomy. Um, and it's like those sorts of things where you learn about history and about how people interacted with each other and how people, I don't know, interacted with youth um, in a way that you can't learn from just, like, watching a documentary about it. Mm -hmm. I just, just books in general really get me going. There's something about being able to, like, hold something that tells a story in a time-based fashion and you get to choose the pace you get to choose where you are when you read it you get to choose like everything but the story and the story can change you like that's i don't know it's there's something really magical about that and i i just want to explore it more but we're starting with yearbooks because nobody's talking about yearbooks that's true do they still make yearbooks i don't even <laughs> i know right no they are still making yearbooks i think i don't really know what it what it's been like during covid i'd like to learn more about that i feel like it's like a they send them out sort of thing i know okay. that there are some schools that do virtual yearbooks but like it's so easy now with indesign you just get a bunch of kids to use the uh InDesign template. That's mm -hmm. one of the like main gripes I have about your books that were published after like 2000 is they're so ugly because it's all like InDesign templates. Come on, you guys. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. But there is there is something. I mean, there's such an intimacy with books in yeah. general, and like yeah. having these kind of stories that happen in your head. But then with your books, it's like you're really looking into someone's real life, but it right. just feels 
it feels intrusive sometimes to be looking at somebody else's yearbook, but it's also so intriguing. Yeah, and... it's intrusive, but it's also like, like I always remember that it's like this funhouse version of them, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's like Yelp reviews from their their classmates mm-hmm. and uh, the school's trying to make the school look as good as possible. And uh, it's just this sort of like rosy... A pretty version of a you know school year when really school isn't all that great, but um yeah like the intimacy of books I think is like super important. I I for my like sophomore um like halfway through school I had to do like a sophomore um project and I made these two accordion books where I had like poetry and like paintings that uh and uh embroidery that interpreted the poetry and it was all like very um sort of yeah personal and it was yeah a lot about walking still I just can't do anything new um <laughs> and uh I got like a there was a guest artist who came in and critiqued some of our work and he was like looking at mine and he was like this is like so delicate like I I want to treat it like a baby bird or like put mm-hmm. it on a shelf and like not touch it and he said it in that sort of cadence, like, he was saying something derogatory. Yeah. And I was just like, nah, man, treat my memories with respect. I don't know. Like, you can be gentle with the books that I make. Yeah. I-, I make them to interact with them, but I don't make them so you can rip them apart. Like, I just like, oh, no, I've created something that you feel you have to treat delicately, you know, yeah. intimately. You have to really get up close to. What a crime. <laughs> What a challenge yeah, for him. Yeah, super Jeez. hard. <laughs> super hard for him to do. I was like, that's that's so interesting. <laughs> wow, interesting take. That mm-hmm. That's where he went with it. Yeah. <laughs> challenge him. Yeah. That's wild. Oh, man. Well, I want to say, I know you're taking a hiatus, you said right now, but how do people sign up for your yearbook? Because oh, man. Brooks is a wonderful writer, and I've honestly enjoyed reading all of your newsletters. Thank you so much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to it. Uh, I really am. I have some more ideas. I just... You try to start a, like, a project during the summer, and then you forget that you got stuff to do, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Summer's so quick. (laughs) I know. So, um, it's called, uh, Hags, uh, Have a Great Summer. Yes. Um, so the, the URL is summer at substack.com. I don't know. You can link it or something. Okay, yeah. Send Um, me the link. Yeah. But, uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun, and... I, I also write about Heather's, the movie, so... Mm, yes. Yeah, that's very important. You guys should watch that movie. <laughs> I have not seen that yet, so I, I know. Oh, it's so good! I know. Yeah. I've heard so much about it, especially after reading your thing. I need, oh, to, yeah. <laughs> I need to, to do that, put that on my to-do list. I have my to-do list. Anyway, that's a whole other... <laughs> it's, it's too long. <laughs> too long. Especially my movie to-do list, I'm way behind. Anyway. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, but we've been having such a great conversation, as always, <laughs> I would say. Um, and I know we're kind of nearing time here, but I just want to know if you have any advice for any other 20-somethings, artists or not, however you want to take that. <laughs> Man, I think that one of the things that we talked about, about how, like, career isn't isn't everything, and we, in America, we, like, define people based on careers, um, is I've learned a lot, like, after college and during quarantine and everything, the people that I've met... Mm-hmm. I never ask that question anymore. I never ask, like, what are you majoring in? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, like, what do you do? Or whatever. Partially because during quarantine, everybody was out of a job, so it didn't super matter. Yeah. Um, 
but mostly just like I've met so many interesting people whose worth like far exceeds anything that they could do at any job you know like I I would say that there is a tendency um like right when you get out of college or, or in your 20s to try to cling to something really tightly uh that can define you, mm-hmm. you know? And then you just figure the rest out later. That's what I was planning on doing after college. I was like, I'll find a job somewhere and then I'll be good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and no, you really got to do the hard work of like being a person, yeah. you know? You cannot just be a job, even if it's like, you know, being a barista or being uh, like... I don't know, doing data entry or even if you're, you know, being a big financier, you're like, that's not you. That's yeah. just the thing that you do sometimes. Well, we're so much more than our capitalistic yeah. worth. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What 100%. we do to make money. <laughs> I thought that capitalism had nothing to do with me because I went to art school. <laughs> no. So, yeah, just, just, I think that, I think that your 20s is, you know, just like learning how to be a person, you know? I th- I totally agree with you. But uh, that includes that includes your job, and it's also f- reaches far, far beyond. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, job is just a small, <laughs> a small portion of us. And yeah, I think that's uh, that. I uh, thank you. That was a great piece of advice to yeah. give everyone with truly, because <laughs> I think it's something that we all have trouble learning. Yeah, I it's easy to forget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we spend like I forget. Uh, it, it was, it's just some bonkers number that we spend uh, oh my gosh. within our life, like, doing work. I don't even know if I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we also spend a lot of time sleeping. True. But sleep, you know, dreams are fun sometimes. Dreams are fun. <laughs> and we don't define ourselves by the quality of our sleep, so we shouldn't define ourselves by the quality of our work always either. Boom. Boom. <laughs> just got some knowledge dropped yeah. <laughs> from Brooks. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. It's been great. So how we usually end our podcast mm-hmm. is we, you know, we like to take care of ourselves. We like to remind our listeners to take care of themselves. And we yes. always end by saying, stay hydrated. Oh, so I'm stay gonna, hydrated. Yeah. I'm going to let you do the honors of like really closing us out here then. Stay hydrated. <laughs> yes. As soon as you said that, <laughs> I remembered that I need water so bad. Oh, well then let's. let this. Let us both. And you at home. Stay (laughs) hydrated. Stay hydrated. Thank you, guys. Thank you, friends. (laughs) 